We love recording the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast and sharing our wisdom and funnies around business and entrepreneurship. If you're looking for more support, education, and tips for your weight inclusive business, head on over to our Instagram at Weight Inclusive Innovators, where you'll find us doing relatable reels and calls to action on ways you can move the needle in your business. That's at Weight Inclusive Innovators on Instagram. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive in to today's episode. Hello, welcome back to the pod. On today's episode, we're going to be diving into how to make your ideal schedule and balance getting all of the things done that you want to get done in your business. But first, let's do a check-in with Hannah. I have a fun question for you today that I don't think we've asked on the pod yet. I love a fun question. I'll tell you if we answered it, if I remember if we actually did. If we did, we can switch to highs and lows. Perfect, (laughs) perfect, perfect. If you had to give a TED talk today, what would you give your presentation on? Okay. We have not done this one, but we've talked about doing this one. So I'm excited one, because I love, I love speaking. And the idea of giving a TED talk is like the dream. If I could give a TED talk on something, I think it would be about the importance of play and joy and just how we don't get enough of it. Like This week I finished a grad school class and I was like, oh, time to treat myself with something, even though I haven't got my grade back or anything, but it's the completion that counts. And so our friend Hannah was in town watching Bennett for me when I was um, visiting some family. And so we went to a skate shop and I got a pair of skates, some quads, which has been so fun. But one of the reasons I got it, because I've had people ask me like, oh, are you like, was there a particular reason you got these? Are you going to use them to get around? What, why skates? And I was like, because it was, seemed fucking fun and I want them. (laughs) Was it like a day of decision? No, I've been thinking about it for a while. Okay. And anytime I finish something big, I like to reward myself. As we've talked about in previous episodes, one time I got myself a king size bed, another time a TV. (laughs) Um, those are those are very like practical home gifts though and I love that you got yourself something really fun okay listen have you ever slept in a king-size bed it's amazing I mean (laughs) I have but it's it okay it is you're right you're right but like skates just are like skates are like a hobby a king-size bed is like a practical I'm going to use this everyday thing okay fair but Skates to me feel like having fun. That's the thing I'm saying. That's why my TED talk is focused around joy because that feels just as important as a thing you quote unquote use in your day-to-day life. And so I am working on using my skates every day uh, with the exception of when we go to Costa Rica next week, because I'm not packing those bad boys. Apparently the, the roads out there aren't great, so there's no point. But when I get back from Costa Rica, we'll be back on with my daily skates. And it's just, that. it's been so joyful. Are you, did you roller skate or roller blade growing up? 
Yes, I was a big rollerblader and I also did a lot of ice skating. Ooh. Just, just like, you know, with friends, not actually doing lessons and competing. Mm-hmm. But it's always been so effing fun to me. And it's funny how you do those things when you're a kid and then you're like, oh, I can still do this as an adult. Like it really did kind of build a little bit of a foundation. But I decided to go with the quads because one, they're bright orange, which is very cool. And two, there's just, if you go on Instagram and see all the people doing fun dances and just having a blast on their quads and going to the skate park, it is just pure joy. And so when I'm doing this TED Talk, I imagine myself rolling onto the stage in my bright orange skates. I'm obsessed with them. <laughs> I, I, I've never done the quads. I've only ever had blades. And rollerblading is something that I have brought into my adulthood. Like I would, I brought my rollerblades to college with me. I uh, rollerbladed quite a bit during uh, quarantine to get like outside. Super fun. I love that you, I, but I'm, I'm quad scare me. What scares you about them? They're just, they just seem way more difficult than I'm, I'm like a back heel breaker in quads. You're, you have to be a, a, like a toe breaker and that kind of freaks me out a little bit. Okay. I'm totally with you in that. Honestly, on blades, I would never use the back break because I felt like I was just going to topple backwards. Um, That's how I I feel about the toe one. (laughs) I would always do a a T-stop, you know, where you have one foot forward and then you kind of make a perpendicular with your other foot. Mm -hmm. But with quads, honestly, all you do is drag your foot behind you to stop or you throw yourself in the grass. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's how that's how we would start, which is what I've been doing. Yes. So. Anyway, I'm derailing us, but my TED talk would be on the importance of play and joy. I would come onto the stage in a very fun outfit with some rock and skates and talking about being a kid for life, like a true Enneagram seven. What would your TED talk be on? I always do this where I ask the question and then don't actually have an answer for myself. <laughs> well, now I want to have a TED talk that's like super fun. I was thinking about something business related. Okay. You can make a business thing fun. <laughs> is a business podcast. Um, but I want it to be fun now. I have like FOMO that my answer is <laughs> not going to be fun. I would give a TED talk on why the U.S. needs to adopt the practice of apertivo. Can you explain for the listeners what that is slash for me? <laughs> Yes, I can. So in Italy and many other European countries, they eat dinner later at like eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night. And so you go from lunch and then you have a huge gap until dinner. And so they have aperitivo, which is like basically like a happy hour, but they give you free food. It's literally like you order a drink and they bring you food too. Like little Um, like finger foods. And I, I love that. Same. And I don't understand why we don't have that in the States. Well, I do understand because it's all capitalism. about money. Yeah, capitalism. But it's such a good idea. And the drinks are cheaper too, which I don't understand why, because I feel like so many liquors or beverages are produced in the US. So, like, why are they cheaper in Europe? So I love this one. I have more follow-up questions, but yeah. I am curious what kind of foods they serve. What are the so, Yeah. So in Italy, which is where I've had aperitivo most recently, potato chips, little slices of pizza, 
olives, some sort of crackers, um, sometimes bruschetta, prosciutto, cheese. It's different at every place. That's so lovely. You know, you and I talk a lot about how being in different countries just feels more, I don't know if correct is the right word, but something about being there just feels, I know for me, more homey and like Mm -hmm. authentic. I'm not sure. So I'm imagining in, in these other countries, you know, like you said, the most important thing isn't money and people aren't just grinding themselves into the ground. Like they live a great, simple life. Their priority is connection and providing and nurturing and taking care of people. And so they're probably okay with making whatever they make. And of course, having a business, you have to have some profit. Maybe their profit margins are smaller and it's worth it to them because they're trying to create a great atmosphere, bring people in, watching people enjoy their homemade snacks and like have a drink. That's so fun. It's so fun. And it feels like, I don't know, I I love a good happy hour. And I feel like happy hour would just be elevated if there were snacks involved in it. Okay. New business idea. We open a happy hour place, except that would, (laughs) I don't know how profitable that would be because then we'd only be open at certain times of the day, but you could do like combination though, like little cafe during the day turned into bar aperitivo turned into gelato shop. (gasps) Okay. We're going to have to pause on the podcast so we can get this project going. We'll see you guys in 2024. Just kidding. That'd be amazing. And then you can just like, I mean, I even would buy like a $20 drink knowing if I got like snacks with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but that's the thing is like the drinks weren't even more expensive. Like drinks are more expensive here than they are there. And you get free snacks there. Like, come on. Okay. Let's go to Italy. Let's move. That's, that's the, that's a good solution. That's the moral of the story. We'll just go enjoy other people's aperitivos. Yes. Um, I love that that would be your TED talk. Yeah. I don't know how qualified I am to speak on it, but I am very passionate. I feel like it's more, that would be more of a topic of like, um, have you seen like PowerPoint nights? Hmm. There's a new trend going around where groups of friends get together and they each put together a random PowerPoint presentation and present to each other. That is awesome. So my friend actually did that a couple of years ago for their dog. Trendsetter. Yes. It was the dog's birthday. And what my friend wanted was everybody to come over, make a PowerPoint or presentation about the dog. Oh my God. It was hilarious. That's so funny. Yes. (laughs) I love that. So I feel like, yes, I feel like my, I feel like my aperitivo would be more of like a presentation night topic than a, a TED talk. Because I feel like I'd have people come after me if I did a TED Talk on that. And I definitely don't feel like an expert on that. Just a passionate human being about getting food with beverages. Love that. And of course, as people were watching your presentation, you would provide snacks and cheap drinks. Oh, 100%. April spritzes for everyone. Oof. Chef's kiss. You ready to dive in today's episode? Sure am. Let's go. All right, Hannah, I got a very important question for you. I love a good question. Hit me. What is your ideal schedule? Oh, such a big loaded question, Morgan. A very important one indeed. My ideal schedule 
is having a balance of face-to-face time, project time, visionary time, and ending at a reasonable time of day. That's like my summary of ideal schedule. I've had many different schedules over the years, some that ran me into the ground, some that were like me doing nothing because I was so burnt out. And I feel like it's always changing too. So God, that's a big question. It is a big question. And I also feel the same. Mine's like ever evolving, which is a good thing. It means there's growth happening. I have a question for you. That's not the same question. (laughs) Give it to me. What is it? Do you feel like your schedule is your ideal schedule right now? I feel like we're like 80% of the way there. Okay. Walk us through what your schedule looks like right now. Yeah. So I say 80% because if nothing else changed, my schedule is manageable and I can, I can handle it. There are some things that I would like to change. I, whenever I first started in entrepreneurship, I realized that I was getting really burnt out on having client facing meetings every day of the week. I loved them. That's my favorite part of my job is getting to have client facing meetings, but I felt like I had to be on all the time. And like you, I also like a balance of client face-to-face meetings, meetings that I have with people where I'm like brainstorming ideas where I don't have to be on. So like podcast recordings feels, I mean, I guess I kind of have to be on, but it feels way more casual than like me having to walk someone through a brand strategy or me having to do a business coaching session or things like that. They just, they're, they're different types of energies. And then I love having project time and visionary time. So you nailed it with those topics. That's how I feel too. And so whenever I realized that I was just like running myself into the ground because I was just so exhausted and didn't have this good balance of energy levels, I decided to dedicate days to those types of projects. So Mondays and Thursdays are my behind the scenes days where I do visionary time projects that don't require me to be on camera and any sort of like wrap up meetings or calmer meetings where I don't have to like be on. Tuesdays and Fridays are my on stage days. Those are the only days that I will take actual client meetings, discovery calls, coaching calls, things like that. And then Wednesdays are my flex days. I really like having a day in the middle of the week to have off. For example, yesterday was a Tuesday. I had back-to-back client meetings between 9 and 4.30. I had a 30-minute gap in the middle of the day, and that was it. And so the only thing that was getting me through that long day with like enthusiasm and excitement was knowing that today, Wednesday, I didn't really have anything on my schedule. My, I pulled a face when you said that you had all day with only a 30 minute break in the middle of the day. What did you do on your 30 minute break? What can you even do? I laid on my couch and scrolled through TikTok and ate lunch. Zoned out, checked yes. out. <laughs> yes. Gosh, I I totally understand that desire to scroll. Like when you only have so much time, it's I I know I go into kind of a like fuck it, I'll just keep stimulating myself. So I definitely fall into that too, but I've been trying to push back and be like, "You know what? I'm either going on a hot girl walk mm. or I'm going to not touch my phone and I'm just going to snuggle Bennett because I just run myself into the ground. So that is a bananas day. Yeah. Well, to be, so TikTok to me, like mindlessly scrolling like that, when I'm intentionally being mindless, which is an oxymoron, but whatever, (laughs) um, it feels good. Like that felt like a good productive 30 minute. Like I just, I don't think there's anything else that I 
could have or would have. I think if I if I just sat there, I'd like stew in like I needed something to keep up the energy because I think if I was just sitting there, I'd stew in like my ever growing to do list because I didn't get any tasks done yesterday in the midst of all the meetings. That's a really good point. Also, what is your TikTok curated as right now? Formula Formula One. (laughs) Oh my gosh. My, yeah, my TikTok is Formula One, which I'm not mad about at all, which by the way, they're all, they're going to be in Austin next weekend. I know. I know. And so I'm like, okay, come to Texas. One of the drivers was landed in Dallas like two days ago. And I'm like, they're here. They're coming. (laughs) Um, Yes. My TikTok is that I've ended up on gentle parenting TikTok, which like, I'm also not (laughs) mad about. Um, I feel like I'm learning a lot. And like, you know, I, I'm like gentle parenting, gentle anting. And gentle parenting yourself. And gentle parenting myself. Yes. Okay. So you didn't actually answer my question though. I shared my ideal schedule. What does yours look like whenever you're trying to balance those four and do you feel like you're in that ideal schedule right now? For me, Mondays are my ease into the week, visionary time, take no meetings. And I'm going to put an asterisk because occasionally I'll take a meeting if I can't put it somewhere else. And that's when I do a lot of projects, reading, thinking, planning for the week, making my list, all that good stuff. I really notice that when I do that on Mondays, I don't have Sunday scaries where I'm losing my shit. Also, when I'm in grad school, I'm on a break this week, which is so nice. But when I do have a grad school class, I'll often use Monday afternoons to kind of do some readings and start the work for that week. Tuesdays, it is all Nourish Colorado things. So this is when I do supervisions for my team. We do supervisor meetings for leadership, and I have my meeting with my apprentice. So that tends to be about from 8.30 until 4 with like an hour break in the middle, at least, and then a 30 minute break in the morning. That feels pretty good. It is a lot of face-to-face time and a lot of being on, but I mean, it's easy when you love your team. So I I enjoy Tuesdays, but I've set the boundary with myself of literally, I'm not doing anything else today, not checking my emails. I'll kind of do a skim if I need to, but for the most part, I just set the boundary with myself of like, show up for your team. Wednesdays are business coaching and podcast days. So I usually see between three and six business coaching clients. Sometimes when it's closer to the six, I get a little stacked, which I'm like, whoo, like today I have six and I kind of fucked up my schedule and I didn't, I don't have a break in between. So my next break will be at 3.30 this afternoon and it is 8.30 right now. So pray for me. But I'm working on tweaking that a little bit. Um, Yep. And then we'll do a podcast recording. I'll do my podcast tasks. Thursday is my client day where I do eating disorder client work. And I've actually finagled that to where I start at noon. I go from noon until 530 latest. And that has been really nice because being in that mindset, again, is a different mindset. And so when I can put it into one time block, I see about four to five a week now that feels really good. And then I can use the morning for different meetings. So sometimes I'll meet with my accountant, my financial planning team. I'll meet with my own business coach. I also do a little bit of supervision with my team as needed on Thursdays. And then Fridays, I have some random meetings at times. I also do business coaching clients on that day, usually between two and four. Um, I do like one of my last openings that I have for business coaching is on Friday. So 
if anybody wants it, let me know. But <laughs> usually I like to see between five to seven a week. So that works out split between Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, I also meet with my apprentice one more time on Fridays to wrap up the week and get things ready for the following week. And then I lay on the ground because I'm tired. Man, that Friday afternoon, like, holy shit, I made it through another week feel is real. I swear to God, all my problems go away on Friday. (laughs) All of them. Yes. I used to have therapy on Fridays and now I have them on Wednesdays. But I used to be like, Sarah, why are are we meeting? I'm so good. It's Friday. Chilling. After some talking, we usually get into the deep stuff. But it's just funny that the relief it gives, which is also hard for me as an entrepreneur because I'm sort of like, oh, I work for myself so that I don't have the nine to five blues, you know, of like Monday through Friday when five o'clock on Friday hits. I'm like, woo. But at the same time, I think when you're just always on and working and even when you're doing things you love, you get to a point where you're like, okay, I get to come down from the week now. Well, I think it's different too, because you're getting to be busy during the week and do things, but it's directly impacting your business as opposed to like doing things all week and it's impacting someone else's business. That's a really good point. So is my schedule ideal right now? No, (laughs) I am doing way too many face-to-face meetings. A lot of people assume I'm extroverted. I'm actually 50-50 extroverted, introverted. I've learned that more about myself since the pandemic and especially in the last year of I really need time alone where, and sometimes I feel bad because I will go a few days without texting people back because I get so overwhelmed by my phone. And when I need my alone time, my alone time is like, I'm not even engaging on my phone or on my computer because that doesn't, I don't feel alone there. I feel stimulated. I feel like I'm connecting with people still. I need to be off of everything, either reading a book, watching a movie, doing nothing. My schedule is not ideal in that way. A lot of face-to-face time. Well, I think too, like, do we ever actually have like an ideal schedule? Like, I feel like it changes all the time. Not all the time. I mean, there's always going to be like minor tweaks, but I feel like my ideal schedule now, especially as some of like my work tasks have changed my offerings have changed, my uh, focus on which business I'm working on most and prioritizing at the time, like that shifts my ideal schedule. And so I think it's like, I can map out and have mapped out what an ideal schedule looks like for me, but we're also humans. And like, sometimes things just have to get shifted around or changed it's an interesting mindset to be in because even after the business workshop, we dove into ideal schedule a little bit. And I was like, Oh heck yeah, I'm writing out my ideal schedule. And I wrote it out and I, and I followed it for like two days. And then I was like, okay, so clearly just like jumping ship into a brand new schedule. is not the way to go. And I'm now realizing that I just need to make like little changes over the course of like a month or two that will eventually get me to my ideal schedule But that can be hard because I, whenever something's not working and I'm like, well, here's the solution. I just want to like jump right into it. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. And I almost, as you were describing that, I'm like, fuck, it's almost diet culture, right? To be like, if I just follow this schedule, if I just like make these changes right now, then my life will feel more manageable X, Y, Z. And it's like, many of us cannot just flip things upside down. Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. um, there's reasons why and how we are, where we're at in this moment. 
And the small changes and seeing how it feels is the best way because you may try to implement your ideal schedule and you're like, oh, actually this still sucks. And then it's more deeper work of like, what, what is hard about this? What are my limits? Where's my energy? Like you're, I feel like I'm constantly yeah. learning and then yeah. you'll be in different stages in different businesses and your ideal schedule will have to change again. Yeah. And I'm like, I might even notice that too with mine where like, like Tuesdays are my on stage days. I am mentally prepared to be on, be doing client work, face-to-face meetings. And that has always felt good because I know I can dedicate a day to it. But like yesterday I was like, oh, I have back-to-back meetings every single. So I color code my Google calendar, which we've talked about before. And it honestly shouldn't come as that much of a surprise. (laughs) Um, Like each different area of business is a different color. And so like, even though yesterday I was like, yeah, pat on the back, Morgan, you saved all your meetings for Tuesday. Every single meeting was a different color. And we talk about like putting, like wearing different hats. And I think there is the hat of like, I'm wearing the hat of visionary time. I'm wearing the hat of project tasks. I'm wearing the hat of face-to-face meetings, but even like just the face-to-face meetings, like you're still wearing different hats, depending on the type of energy that you're having to bring. You are so right. There is a huge difference between who I am as a supervisor, who I am as a clinician, who I am as a business coach, and who I am as a leadership colleague. All of those things feel different and have different levels of energy that you bring, even though they're all face-to-face. Yeah. So I think that would be probably like the the biggest change, not the biggest change, the littlest change <laughs> that I would, I would just be start to be mindful of because like, I really do like the structure that I, that, I, that I've had. I really do like the structure that I have with like the different designation of days, but I think it's more so like the nuance within the days that I can be more mindful of. But I mean, I have to name it. There's definitely some scarcity mindset of like, if I set a boundary around this, like, will people, will there be enough time to work with the people that I want to work with? Yeah. Does it work for their schedule? Because I want to be selfish with my time to protect my own energy, but I also don't want to be so selfish that there's not any space for people to actually work with me. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why we like structure versus schedule in a way, right? Cause schedule kind of can be perceived as rigid and to a T, but we really like structure and having boundaries. And so most of the time we're going to do what is ideal for us when we get there and when it is ideal in that moment. And sometimes I'm going to meet with a business coaching client at 7am because I really enjoy working with this person and this is, they're in a different time zone than me. And this is what we found. I really like that distinction. Also circling this back to gentle parenting. I feel like I've seen that a lot on TikTok of like routine versus schedule or structure mm-hmm. versus schedule of like, it's, and it's a little different because we're talking about like a child who needs to like eat and play and sleep repeat. Um, That sounds like us. <laughs> it's true. You're right. You're right. You're right. There's some work in there. About how, like, instead of being like, I'm going to wake up at eight and do this until nine and do this until 10 and do this until 11, you say, I know that my natural structure is going to be an hour long meeting followed by a 30 minute walk followed by another hour long meeting. And there's some fluidity in that of like, I can either do that. I like, I know that that supports my mental health, whether that is like an eight, a nine and a 10, 
or some days it might be a nine, a 10 and an 11, or some days it might be 10, 11 and 12. And so like, you know, that that's the structure that works for you, but it can be shifted around within the day. I feel like you're calling me out. Cause today I'm, I'm really packed this week with us leaving for Costa Rica. Woo. Such a problem to have on Friday. <laughs> and so I'm holding up this piece of paper where I was literally being so rigid with things that I had to get done today. And you know, it's such to a T at like 5 a.m. I started with this, then 5:30, then 6:15, and then 7 and 8 to 9. And I I like didn't get some of it done because it's not even realistic. But I was trying to cram in everything that I need to this week because we're gonna be out. And so I think it's also when you're making your ideal schedule is really knowing your limits and not overbooking yourself. Or if you do overbook yourself, learning how to prioritize what actually needs to get done. Because again, if everything's a priority, nothing is a priority. Literally, you can't have more than three priorities. Ain't that the truth? And also, because I do the, I do that same thing whenever I'm in a, a it, and it's usually the weeks that I'm traveling too, where I'm like, there are just a few extra things that I have to get done in the week in order to prep for the trip. And you have a day off because we're traveling. And so you have to push everything to the other days. And so that's honestly probably why my Tuesday yesterday was so booked because I, people couldn't schedule with me on Friday because we're traveling. Anyway, where was I going with this? Oh, I do that too with like, I don't want to call it neurotic, but like it's neurotic to a T schedule and not even just like time blocking of like this hour I will dedicate towards visionary time. (laughs) but like, like 15 minute increments. And sometimes that feels supportive. Clearly it did for you this morning to get everything all laid out of what you need to do. But I think with that, because I'm the same way, I will like write it all out and be like, there's no way I'm getting all this done. Just giving myself so much compassion if I don't get things done, but I think having it all written out like that, like you can be like, well, that didn't happen because I needed to focus on this and like ding, ding, ding. That's a priority. Ooh, you're so right. I think I was, I try really hard to be this loosey goosey person and be like, go with the flow. What I get done, I get done when I'm like actually secretly pretty neurotic. (laughs) And so I think I, I have some shame sometimes when I get into this place of like writing things out on the hour, but truly it's just when I'm a little bit crunched for time and I have to get these things done or I think I have to. And then once it's all written out, it's, it's like my to-do list. So I feel a sense of relief of, I no longer have to make decisions because this is what I'm doing today. And so it is a time in life where that has to happen. No truer words have ever been spoken than wanting to feel loosey-goosey, but actually being quite neurotic. I feel the same way. I'm like, I'm an Enneagram 7. I'm supposed to be optimistic and go with the flow and whatever. And then that one wing that or that one uh, stressor kicks in. And then I'm like, to a T. Must happen this way. <laughs> we have a schedule to stick to. I was reading, I don't know if this is going to relate or not, but it's on my mind. So I'm going to share it. I am listening to an audiobook called how to date men when you hate men. Sorry. I love that. Carry on. Teach it us. is Okay. So I've had it on my Goodreads list for a while now and it has like not great reviews, like pretty, pretty low reviews. And I was like, nah, I'm going to give it a shot. And it's, <laughs> it's, you can't, the title's hilarious. Like, I'm like, I'm totally reading this. Um, I now I can uh, guess why it probably has 
not great reviews because it is like very progressive, liberal, calling out the patriarchy. And so if you're not into that, she's she's true feminist right there. And so if you're like, but we're meant to be housewives, then you're not going to like that book. And I don't recommend that for you. And then don't recommend that for you. Yes. But I love it. It's hilarious because, and it feels very relatable because it is a, a white girl from the suburbs who's like a year younger than me talking about dating in the suburbs (laughs) growing up as like a middle-class white girl. And so it just like, she says stuff and I just like bust out laughing because I've had no truer experience than what she's describing. So it just, it feels very validating for who I am as a human. Anyway, where was I going with this? <laughs> oh, she talked, oh, there, I don't really think there's a connection to ideal schedule here, but you talked about being loosey goosey and she was like, us women are taught that we need to be these like chill, go with the flow, loosey goosey humans. But the older we get in order to like date success, quote unquote, date successfully. But the older we get, I'm like, I don't want a loosey goosey kind of guy. I want a guy that makes reservations. So, and and part of it is like, you should date the person you're trying to be, which I don't, I don't, I I need to mull on that a little bit more. But basically I was like, I want to, I want to date someone who like can be fun and adventurous like me but isn't passive. That's Are you passive? No. Okay. So why not want to date somebody like you? Or like, wait a second. My brain is, you know, it's, a, like, it's ah! complicated. Um, I want to I date someone who will like make reservations and have their shit together when we're going through airport security. <laughs> so you want an airport, airport daddy. I want an airport daddy. <laughs> Hundred percent, perfect. Me too. <laughs> anyway, back to schedule. <laughs> Unless you have a way to tie this all together, then I'm all ears. Uh, no, I was I was trying to tie it together, and I was like, okay, well, maybe if you have your ideal schedule, then that gives you time if dating is important to you to go on dates after work. There you go. There we go. There we go. Nailed pulling it. it, pulling it back in. I'm excited to check out this book though. And we'll link it in the show notes because it's would, very important. I don't think I would enjoy it if I was like reading it, but because the Blythe, the person who, the girl who wrote it, person who wrote it is narrating it. It feels more like a podcast episode where she's like sharing dating stories. Wait, so, did you say wife? Like she's married now? No, Blythe is her name. Oh, Blythe. Okay. Not Blythe. to be confused with wife. I was going to say it turned out, it turned out great for her. No, I don't think she's dating anyone. So we'll just do a quick little pivot here. You and I both do business coaching and I feel like ideal schedule usually gets brought up every now and then because usually business coaching is like, I'm so overwhelmed. And we're like, cool. What's your schedule like? What do you usually see people struggling with whenever they are feeling overwhelmed by their schedule? Honestly, this is one of the first things that I work on with people in general, every single fucking time private practice people and group practice alike, because your schedule is the root of everything of like how you're going to move the needle in your business and how you're going to do the work that you want to do and get things done and like grow. So if your schedule is a fucking hot mess, as we've all been there, you're not going to be able to make any traction. And so I actually, you know, when I meet with people, 
I do a big questionnaire. It's like 40 questions takes like 30 minutes. It's a lot. And, you know, I ask them a variety of questions about their business and we think we're going to start one, one place. And then what I found over the last year, especially is we always backstep and then we have to look at schedule. So some of the main things that I see people struggling with, especially group practice owners is they have way too many face-to-face meetings, particularly clients. And it makes sense because they're often in a phase where they're getting ready to grow and they're still kind of straddling the line of being a full-time clinician still in their business, as well as trying to hire. And so they kind of hit this point of like, oh my God, I literally am seeing 22 clients a week. And then I have like 10 hours of onboarding my new clinician and supervision and team meeting. And then I just see them like dying inside. And so the first thing I work on with them is ideal schedule as in you're going to cut your client days to three days a week. And we're going to whittle down from there because you cannot do this much face-to-face time. It is a lot of face-to-face time. And it's, it's, I mean, you have to be on you're in session, whenever you're in session or whenever you're onboarding someone, like it's not passive. I'm sitting and listening to a meeting type work. You are on, you are on. That is a lot for your brain. Yeah. And another thing I see people do is a lot of task switching in the same day. So they'll have like two clients and then they'll try to do some admin time. And usually that's them spinning in their inbox or avoiding their chart notes because they're just like not in that headspace. And then more clients, some other work, and it's just very inefficient. And so that kind of ties into, you know, being in that certain mode and needing to shift what they do in certain days, set boundaries and go from there. Totally. One thing that I took away whenever we were talking about this at the business workshop, because most of those people were talking about idea schedule related to private practice was I heard a lot of, you know, I have, I have slots in the evening from like four to seven and I don't want to be working that late. And this was really interesting to me because like, that's always kind of been the norm, especially if you're working with I mean, really anyone like adolescents, when they're out of school, adults, whenever they're off of work, if they have a a nine to five style job and what came up for me with that was figuring out who your ideal client is, because if you don't want to work with adolescents, well, you shouldn't be scheduling adolescents anyway, whenever you get to a point where you heard it here, folks. Whenever you get to, whenever you get to a point where you can be a little more selective with the types of clients you're working with. But I think that there is, when looking at your ideal client, that can really help shape your schedule. Because if your ideal client is an adult, there's so much nuance with it, but I'm stereotyping here of like an adult who might have some work from home days or has PTO that they could take off or, or even just prioritizing their, their, what they need. I think workplaces have been more flexible than ever with COVID and hybrid working. And so we found a lot of folks that come to our practice can be seen during the day on their lunch break or take an hour from work and they work a little bit later or they start earlier and they're totally okay with that. And they actually prefer that too. So it's kind of a win-win. We have to trust that we can talk to our clients and see what is workable in their day schedule right? We can't just assume that they only have to see us after work. Yes. We love some good communication. The other thing that I see, and I'm also calling myself out for this and got called out for this during the workshop is not adding in 
visionary time, task time, and admin time. It is so important to have some version of this. If there, especially if there's tasks that you're putting off. So like for me, going through my personal finances is a task that I like to put off. So you know what I did? I added in a 30 minute block every week where I have to sit down and look at my personal finances. We love it. Love to see it. And then I feel like with like visionary time, like I was only, I had gotten to the headspace of like, oh, my visionary time will only be when I travel. It needs to be more frequent than that. And so I scheduled in some more visionary time because that's like one of my primary motivating factors is getting to like envision where I'll be in six months, one year, three years. That gets me back to reality. And sometimes I do that on like midday walks too, but. Either you need to schedule more visionary time or you need to schedule more trips. I'm just saying. Both sound like (laughs) great options. (laughs) So I'm actually going to, I'm going to put a little spin on what you're proposing because I think visionary time should be way different than task and admin time. I would put task and admin time together and because visionary time is really space, right? Versus task and admin time is space to do the little to-dos you've been putting off to like cross out your to-do list like crazy. But visionary time is unplanned, no expectation, seeing where your mind goes. You can do some planning, like you were talking about six month, year, two year, where you want to be, but it's really a time of no expectation, a time for your brain to breathe and even be able to have ideas. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like my like my visionary time looks so different depending on the week. Like sometimes I need to journal. Sometimes I need to go for a walk. Sometimes listening to a podcast feels good. Well, I need, I feel like I need stimulation whenever I'm also dreaming. And so I usually have like music on in the back or something's happening in order to get my, in order to get my brain going and, and think about where I want my business to grow to. Creating your ideal schedule is definitely a priority because if you don't have a schedule that resembles and supports the kind of life you want to live, you're going to get burnout. It's going to be, it's going to be hard to maintain it. It's, it's going to be, it's just not going to be as fulfilling as if you were being intentional about the type of schedule in life that you were wanting to create for yourself. Because the beauty of entrepreneurship is that we have the flexibility to make our schedule our own. So if we could leave y'all with anything today, it would be prioritizing our ideal schedule and then looking at what little changes can be made throughout that. Because as we talked about, it's not realistic to just like wake up the next day and have a whole new schedule. And then whenever you start getting towards and feeling like your ideal schedule is where you want it to be, it is so important to hold the boundaries around that. I know it can be hard. I've experienced this for my ideal schedules, like feeling really good. And I was like, oh, I could take on more. I can expand my hours. I can do whatever. And then the next week I'm like, JK, this was not the right move for me. And so making sure that you just hold those boundaries to protect yourself and your mental health. Yep. And we put a little asterisk because we love to do that 85% of the time. Thanks for listening to the Wedding Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the pod on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your pods. Please leave us a rating and review, share with your business bestie, and check out our website at weightinclusiveinnovators.com. See you next week.